First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Living Well with Janet, where we explore what it means to live well. I'm your host, Janet, a yogi, meditator, plant-forward eater, and all-around wellness enthusiast. I'm also a second-generation Asian-American woman, an experimenter, and a deep thinker. Join me in my conversations and contemplations on the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, and environmental aspects of living well. Last time, we had a conversation with elite matchmaker Kasindi Chow. We got so carried away in our convo that it ended up being a two-part episode. So this week, I hope you enjoy part two. And if you haven't caught up yet, head back to part one. How do you fight well in a relationship? Okay, so I say fight early. <laughs> ah. Don't delay the fight because you're going to need to know that sooner or later. But that also means on your side and our on both sides is learning to draw boundaries. Because I think what happens, again, this is, again, my I'm not a therapist, but I, I see it a lot. We kind of go, okay, yes, yes, I can do this. I'm tired, but yeah, I'll do this. I'll do this. But then meanwhile, now we're going down the path of festering. Mm. And when we're festering, when we fight, we fight me because we're tired. We're at the end of our rope. So why not instead draw your boundaries sooner? And then when you fight, when you get, you, you, first of all, you don't get to as many fights, number one. But number two, you don't push yourself so hard that you're just like, mm. you know, I, I thought and said stupid things that I really regret. I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I have said this, right? So bitchy and nasty. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I would I would divorce myself, okay? I've been there too. Yeah, yeah. And to be kind to ourselves, it's because you've been pushed your limit, right? Because uh, in, in a perfect, calm world, would you fight nasty? No, of course not. No, but when yeah. you're pushed so hard and you haven't drawn your back and you're tired and exhausted, then stuff comes out. So I think part of it is ourselves first, mm. being able to say no, like, no, nah, I really can't do that. And then not feeling guilty about it. I know, I know we're going to feel guilty. Like, mm. oh, shoot, I should have gone to your mother's. I should have done this, blah, blah, blah. But that's us making ourselves now resentful. Right, right. That is a very good point. So one tip for learning to fight well is fighting early. Because if you do it later, you'll be more likely to fight nasty. Yeah, because it builds up. <laughs> it builds up into a yeah, bigger issue. Yeah. And also know that when you fight, sometimes the the reason why you fight is quite often not the real cause. The fight is just uh, like maybe you didn't do the dishes or whatever. That's just a 
that's just what sparked it. But what really caused it mm. goes further back. So that's why you have to fight early. Yeah, that's a good point. I always uh, have been of the mindset that whenever there is a fight, it's never really about the topic. It's about the something deeper. And having to figure out what that deeper thing is, is kind of the the next step in like trying to figure out how to like solve the problem. Yeah. And then meanwhile, now it's clouded by the dishes or by this. You didn't do this. Yeah, I didn't do this. Yeah. So therefore, it'd be better just to fight earlier. And then it's just a small right, little right. fight. Oh, I didn't realize you wanted it this way. Okay, fine. Done. Mm, got it. I hear what you're saying about fighting early versus fighting later. It's making me think about from the perspective of a woman who is in her later 30s. And, um, you know, I'm looking for a partner. I want to have a family, but I don't want to be rushed into a relationship. So I'm balancing a little bit of this battle with like time, but wanting to give relationships a good amount of time to really to develop and to truly like meet someone and, and really get to know them. What tips do you have for someone of that mindset and in that, in that situation? Oh, yes. <laughs> this is what I love. <laughs> date three people at once. So you have to date concurrently. Oh. Meaning, yeah, because, you know, you, look, you do want to have time. You do want to check things out. You do want to have perspective, right? So concurrently is great because now you can evaluate two to three guys at the same time, mm. but you're not like, oh, I really hope this works out. And you have like sunk cost fallacy, all this kind of stuff going on. You can assess. So at least for the first three to five dates with each of them, do it concurrently. Ah, that's, I know it's like, ah, that was actually one of my questions too, is like, I always hear about, you know, that it's probably better to have multiple and it's, I find it kind of challenging to do on two fronts. One is emotionally and the second is like time-wise. I think the time-wise though, it's just, if it's important to me, I'd have to make time for it. Yeah. So practice it. It's not as hard as you think because it sounds like, oh my gosh, how could I do this? But yes, you can. Because, sorry, I'm like laughing. I apologize. I love this stuff. I no. love matchmaking so much. So. <laughs> but because emotionally, and here's what happened, you get, you get stuck, mm -hmm. right? And you're like, oh, but I really hope this guy works out, da, da, da. And then you're invested, right? Mm. Which is why by being concurrent first, you're kind of like, well, if this guy doesn't call me back, it's okay. This other guy is going to call me or whatever. Then it actually kind of calms things down. So you can, from a very calm perspective, assess wisely without right, right. too much emotion at the get-go. And then you can go further later on. Once you choose. I mean, I'm not saying you can continue them for like six months, but yeah, you know. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so the best thing to do is to have at least three or three. Why did you choose three? I'm curious. I mean, I try to do that with most of my matchmaking clients. Two, sometimes not enough. Three is a good one, but you know, it's just definitely more than one. Definitely more than one. Two, I can see how two can then just make it between one or the other. Three is probably a healthy amount where you have options, but it's also not overwhelming because I, I can see in today's uh, app culture society, I do talk to women who have tried to put into practice this idea of dating multiple people. And I think, after, yeah, like if you're going to go more than three, it starts to get hard to track and to coordinate, right? Well, yes and no. I I, do, I have a client who's going on a, I'm calling it a dating buffet. Oh. I'm having, I'm having her meet eight people in three weeks. Wow. Eight people. <laughs> Eight people in three weeks. So how many how many dates is that in one week? Like two. It's, bas two it's to three. basically four four dates a week, at least. Four at dates least. a week. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. Is she doing these on weeknights or you know, she, or is it daytime? Know, Do you recommend like coffee dates or how is how? Yeah. What are her dates set up like? So think about this. A lot of times, 
there's a chemistry component, right? Usually we kind of know whether there's legs or not on a, on a potential date, you know, mm. relatively quickly. So depending upon just the initial screening, you can just go out for froyo or go out for a dessert and you could just, you could oh, in 20 okay. minutes, you kind of know, do you want to see this person again? Yes or no. Right, right. No, no, no need to waste the hour and a half. So that is actually, that's something that I, I get a little bit, um, I have some like inner turmoil around in terms of that. On the one hand, we hear a lot of, oh, first impressions mean a lot. And you kind of know within the first 30 seconds to a minute if you if you are attracted to someone. But then I hear the, you really should always give someone at least three dates because sometimes the way they are in the beginning is not quite the same, you know, like to see different facets of them. I guess what is like a piece of advice you can share with me to help me figure out what I should be paying attention to? I obviously have to know kind of your own dating style because some people are yeah. getting infatuated, some people don't, things like that. So, it, so when I say mm. the the twenty minute, um, you know, yogurt date, that that's actually you know for a certain type of person. I see. I do generally think that it is important when you go out to meet someone to have the key factors that really matter in mind for yourself. Right. It's not the education. It's not the the swagger. Perhaps it could be, let's just say, like, you know, are they nice to people? Would they are they actually listening to you? So would you just kind of keep in your head mm. what it is? And what is a good way for accountability is you if you have a favorite girlfriend that you talk to, which you obviously do, <laughs> right? And they're gonna ask you, Well, how did it go? And if you have the question that you're gonna answer in the back of your head already ready, like, oh, did he listen to what you had to say? Right? Did he validate mm. you? And you just and so then you know that you're going to be sharing this because they're your accountability partners. Just like I'm a matchmaker, I'm a right, kind of, right. you know what they're going to have in head. So then you therefore then when you're talking to this person, you think about it that way. Oh, that's a great tip. So if you're if you already identify the things that matter to you, and then and you can share those like two or three things with good friends, then they can be there to to make sure to ask you those questions. They are your accountability partners. Mm, okay, that's a good tip. I think I am quite a sensitive person. I feel pretty strongly and probably pretty immediately, but I've just been conditioned to be so head-driven, like driven, like practical and logical that sometimes I think I get very conflicted. So I might come back from a date and someone's like, how'd it go? And I'm like, I don't, like I don't actually have like one a one word answer. Like on the one hand, it, it went really well because of this. On the other hand, it's you know not so much. So, it's helpful to to hear you say kind of think about the thing that you value, and that can be something that you anchor on and have people to help you kind of siphon through. Yeah, no, it, it's important. And and also, you know, think about the type of dates that you do better in. Like some people do better on hiking dates. Some people do better on you know drinks and coffee or drinks or coffee. And here's a little pro tip for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you really want to know what somebody's really, really thinking, and if you think the person might not be truthful, if you're playing a board game with them and you can ask them a tough question while they're, because it's hard for them to balance two things at once. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So if, you, if you're doing an activity that's kind of like it occupies, I don't know if it's like the front or the back of your brain, then ask them a question. They'll mo most likely... They will not have time to filter yeah. their answer or like the ability. Exactly. So it'll be more. Exactly. That's what, oh. that's apparently what uh, therapists use. I, I just found this out. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting that yeah. they do that. Because that while you're playing, let's just say chess or strategy game, then you go, hey, do you like your mother? <laughs> <laughs> What's your relationship with your mother? Or tell me about your last girlfriend. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm being silly. <laughs> Back to this like 
Well, I guess the mom thing, but interesting that you say the ex-girlfriend, because one of the things that um, I used to love, like, when I was getting to know someone is I would ask them about their past relationships. But I know it's also personal. And now that I'm 38, like, I, it's not as simple as when I was in my 20s and you talk to someone and it's like they have maybe a handful and they can summarize it very easily and it's much less gray. Yeah. Nowadays, I think it's like almost everyone has had maybe some not pleasant experiences in relationships. And it can be really tricky when you ask the question or when you're sharing your your history, how to not how to not say the wrong thing or how to look for or or I guess in my case sometimes like I don't want to be I sometimes get alarmed by what I hear and I'm like, no, that's, you know, keep in mind that there's like different circumstances that could cause someone to to kind of do that. So what is your tip for how much to ask and how much to share about someone's past relationships when you're just kind of in the dating phase? So I think relationships and past relationships are tricky because there's always two people in the equation. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. people get sensitive hearing about, oh, he was cute, she was cute, whatever. Mm. So instead, you could reframe the question and say, what did you learn about yourself from your last relationship? Oh, that's a good. So that yeah. way, then the person can choose what to share about it and not, mm. and it's not about tell me about her or him, right? Because otherwise, you know, yes, no, yeah, that, yeah. that's probably what I would do. I like that. What did you learn about yourself in that relationship? Yeah. Or, even like to, I mean, I could, so I'm thinking of like what other questions I could ask that along that same framework is like, just like, what did you learn about yourself? Maybe what would you have done differently? Yeah. Like maybe thinking back now, would you have entered that relationship or, so it's more gauging, figuring out about them versus like the dynamic with the other person. Cause who you, without knowing the other person, you don't really know how to assess like the situation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of my friends are now getting on that baby train. If you have a friend who is also expecting or have little ones still in diapers, I always recommend Pampers Swaddlers. With Pampers Swaddlers, you can also rest assured that this diaper will prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swaddlers has dual leak guard barriers at the legs to help protect where leaks happen most. And they have a blowout barrier, which is an innovative back pocket built into the diaper to help prevent those messy leaks up the back. Did you know that on average, babies will use up to 8,000 plus diapers before becoming potty trained? That is a lot. That's why Pampers Diaper Stash is the hottest baby gift for 2024. So give a gift to a loved one that says, we see you and we've got you. Pampers Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund that all parents with little ones will love. You can organize friends and family to contribute to a group gift of an online stockpile that never has to run out. Pampers Diaper Stash is great because it takes the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. It's so easy to do, and it's the gift that always fits. So we're talking about all of these like strategies and, you know, these like very deliberate efforts that we would put into dating. But I'm curious, like, you know, in American culture, we have this idea of like your soulmate or like chance cosmic relationships or meetings. And in Chinese culture, there's like yuan fen, right? Like the concept of yeah. um, like destiny or luck that's been, you know, something from your past. That's like basically things that are out of your control. Yeah. What is your opinion about these ideas of like soulmates, destined connections, that kind of a thing? You know, I think it's a double-edged sword. Um, I, and, and you hit the nail on the head about control. Like, oh, it's out of my control. I have mm. to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and that's different because in today's world, we are strong women. We have agency. And yet somehow right. we still have the side of like, oh, but it's ordained. You know, I, you know, at the end of the day, I feel that, you know, our lives should be go bold or go home right? It's better to live life even with me make some mistakes than to not do it at all. Mm. So if the fate, if that helps one to just go into a relationship and not overthink things, great. But, you know, is it, me- you know, meant to be, that's a bit of a fairy tale, right? There's, there's no meant to uh. be. And, 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 and it's also dangerous because if you think it's meant to be, then you might not do all the, wor- not do do the work it takes to right. make it happen. So I think that to take control is really about having agency, you know, whether male or female taking agency, not my mom making a decision, you know, it's not, you know, it's having agency to make the choice just to be open-minded about finding a great relationship and making it work. Mm. Irregardless of whether you're born in the year of the dragon and you're six years older or younger and that's bad or whatever, you know. Mm. Actually talking about that, do you think age matters? So, I mean, I think you just shared like whether whether someone's, you know, but like, what is like, is there such a thing as an age gap that's too big? Have you seen challenges between like older woman, younger man or vice versa? No, that one's tricky. I think there's a power dynamic, right? There's often a power dynamic with age, right? It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, male, female, you know, rich, poor, but there is a power dynamic. And Uh, some people like it, some people don't. Um, And in my in my career, I have no judgment, but I do see mm-hmm. things. And sometimes I'll say to somebody who's been dating age inappropriately and wondering why they're bored with each other, <laughs> you know? So it depends, right? Some people are mm-hmm. old souls, some people are young souls. So it does depend, mm-hmm. but there is a power dynamic. And quite often that brings two people that really aren't mentally compatible together, but they just, because of that dynamic, mm-hmm. you know? My last relationship, he was... 45 Mm -hmm. and then I'm 38. Seven years is that kind of, would you consider that a large gap? I don't know. (laughs) I think it was probably the largest gap that I've had as like a dating in my 30s. Uh, No, I don't think it's a large gap. I mean, I I think plus or minus actually 10 is, is in my view, okay. Mm. Because again, it depends on the person. Like you have some very old souls or young souls. Uh, You know, the question I ask of you is how did you feel that age dynamic played out? Between you both. Yeah. Did you feel he was boring and listened to the wrong music? (laughs) (laughs) That is interesting. It's like we did, we had a lot of like, I guess our common friends would cross in age. Like I had friends that maybe are in their 40s and he has friends that are in their 30s. But yeah, we did, we did resonate kind of with different types of music, maybe different activities. And, uh, and he did, he did say, he's like, I, I'm at a point in my life where I very much want to, like, I'm happy being at home with my dog on a Friday night. And I thought I was too. Uh, and, and maybe I realized that I, I'm still at a place in my life where I need to be a little bit more out and about. And and perhaps that is where that is where there was a little bit of um, like a disconnect for us. That might not be an age issue. That also mm. there's plenty of people who are in their twenties who sit at home all day long too, right? So that's yeah, not an age. Yeah. It's probably just a personality difference, right? You know. Yeah, that is true. I mean, he. I guess it's like I saw that he drew a lot of energy from large group gatherings, but maybe less frequently. And I think I'm probably more of a. I like to go out more frequently and have more frequent and maybe less super large group gatherings. <laughs> but there, was, <laughs> but was there styles. something that led you to want him to be with you when you go out? 
Um, I would say there are certain events where it would be helpful. And then there were a lot where I was okay, kind of, um, I liked just kind of going on my own and, and it was, and it was okay, but it, yeah, I guess it kind of, it was a mix because I, and especially with the work that I do, I will sometimes go out to a lot of events where I, it would be nice to have my partner there, Yeah, but I also don't want to exhaust them. Right. So, you know, I, the, again, there, there's no right or wrong answer on that one, to be honest, because like my, you know, my own husband is less outgoing than I am, but when he does go out, he's, everybody loves him. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, right. So there's, it just depends. Yeah. It depends. I see that for sure. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Another thing I wanted to talk about, Cindy, is how we manage like cultural differences in relationships. So I know that you work with a lot of individuals of Asian background, but you also deal with kind of interracial relationships. I'm curious how you see cultural differences playing out when it comes to compatibility. Hmm, that's a great question. So cultural differences play out a lot with interaction with family and friends, and but also about feeling comfortable and accepted for your own culture. Mm. And I think that's important to think about because I think in the past they've had these things about like, oh, the melting pot, which is very antiquated, right? A very antiquated concept of right. fitting in as if we all needed to fit into the non-Asian culture or, or not, right? And I think it's important to Think about those dynamics in advance and also when you're evaluating who the partner is and how accepting they are of your culture and you of their culture. What is a good way to to gauge, I suppose, like if uh, like in your work when you matchmake individuals, are you looking for someone who has an understanding of the other person's culture? Or if if have you ever done a matchmaking where that person has not dated someone of that cultural background? And what are ways that you would like prepare them? or reasons why you would see might maybe that they would be a good match. You know, a lot of it's about every relationship I think is, you know, has a lot of chemistry but it's also respect. Mm. And I think respect is central to to that. Like, you know, they don't have to have dated the other culture but they have to have respect for it. Without the respect it's not going to work. Mm. And then your other part of your question was about how do I prepare people for that? Yeah, so say you have two people you want to match together and maybe one of them doesn't know very much about the cultural background of the other person. What is a way, or I guess, what do you think you would ever pair two people together like that? Is there a way that they can mm -hmm. prepare? So yes, there are ways to prepare for that. So I had a pandemic wedding. Yay! Oh, wow. And they were very different um, in terms of their cultures, they're yeah. Jewish and in this case, Chinese American, both professionals. So we focused on what they both had in common, which was which transcended cultures in the sense that both of them had been very devoted to their parents. You know, one was always taking her godparents out to lunch and dinner and not really doing much for her own self. And he was the same way, mm. going to synagogue and going, you know, 
but yet they bonded on a lot of shared family values. They bonded on, in this case, classic film. Oh. You know, they loved Alfred Hitchcock. They watched 100 classic films together, right? <laughs> so they had that bond, which is completely different. But yet they had came from different cultures. She went to a synagogue with them for the very first time, right? He went out and, you mm. know, went out to with her parents to all sorts of, you know, you know, banquet meals. So, you know, they there are ways to do that. And again, it boils down to respect, mm. right? If they respect each other, then then I think it's good. And that they have a lot of commonality and shared interests. I mean, it was so cute. She'd go run marathons and he'd write all these really cute love notes to her and movie quotes. I mean, just Aww. really cute. I mean, that was my favorite, favorite matches. Yay. Yeah. Oh, that is so cute. I love that. I mean, thank you for sharing that. And it sounded like they did not, they had not dated each other's different cultural backgrounds before. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and that was a really cute description of ways that two people could be compatible, even if they are of different cultural backgrounds, if there's like shared value mm-hmm. and a shared sense of respect. And that still on a human level, they would connect on the interests of a film. And it sounded like even though she liked running, maybe that wasn't his thing, but he would still support her in a, in a way of doing that. Exactly. Those are great examples yeah. of, of ways to kind of develop or when you have a successful relationship, how, what the dynamics might be like. Exactly. And they were a late stage couple. They both, they both met in their late forties. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. First wedding each. First wedding. How long did they date? If you don't mind me asking. Not that long. I about a year and a half. Oh, there's more funny stories with that one, too. Yeah. So she's like, oh, Cassindy, you know, he wants to look at houses this weekend. I'm like, and she's like, nah, I already have a house. He already has a house. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you need to say yes, just go. <laughs> and now that they- because he's trying, he's trying to have a home with you, right? Is that what that was? And like? is going to propose, right? If somebody wants oh. to go house shopping with you, because both of them, they're later stage in life. So he has a house, yeah. she has a house, they're both in San Diego area. Right. And, you know, the idea, you know, theoretically, they could each sell their house and buy a house together. Right. And then that uh, marriage proposal, like ding, ding, ding. Right. She's not seeing it. She's like, oh, (laughs) oh, no, it's fine. I'm like, yeah, let it go. (laughs) Go. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is really cute. I love. Yeah, that is. That's a great example of um, I could see myself doing that where you're like on a very practical level. You're like, well. We already have homes. Why do we need to go shopping for a home together? But yes, understand the circumstance or like what what is actually what's what the next happening. step? Because what's the next step? Yeah, because the smartest people have the biggest blind spots, mm. right? They have biggest blind spots, and she has always helping people, but just not thinking about herself, right? Mm. Yeah, she's also a control freak too. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> that's. I mean, I think that's very. I mean, there's. I definitely, I, I struggle with issues of control, and I know I have a lot of friends who to the same. I think a lot of that is cultural, gender, societal. <laughs> I'm that, And that's something I'm practicing more of this the year as well, is trying to let go a little bit more. And I find that incorporating more fun and laughter helps me also let go of control a little bit better as well. You know, I, I, I love your philosophy of letting go. Because I think in a way, and with control, when you let go, you'll find out you actually have even more control in a good way. Mm. But it's a process of just kind of like letting go. And it's, and again, you have to exercise that too, because it feels unsteady. It feels unstable because we've been brought up, we take care of things, we get things done, we achieve, we, you know, but, and letting go, we're going to turn to a slouch. No, 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 no. You're actually going to be even more powerful than you realize in a good way. And in a happy way, less stressful way. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, that is probably, maybe I will, I was focused this year so much on, let me try to have more fun. But I think my second thing I'm going to focus on is letting go and and focusing on all the ways that I can do that. Because if you're focused on having fun as like a job. Oh, that's still controlling. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, I'm going to have fun, fun, fun. <laughs> yeah, I was like, try- I'm, I'm saying, oh, how am I going to have fun? I incorporate more play into my life, but that's still very deliberate and very <laughs> so controlling. Maybe, yeah. maybe take a step back, 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 back to like maybe a childhood. Like what are mm. slouchy things that you like to do as a kid? Mm. You know, and what is that? Like, is it playing Legos? Is it, let's just say, making mud pies? Is it, Yeah. you know, I, I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. <laughs> I don't mean into that one. <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marinate on that one. Okay. But actually, I have a couple more questions for you, Cindy, specifically about matchmaking. Okay. So, and I, I shared with my Instagram community that, you know, we were going to be recording an episode today. And I think just the topic of dating is is always fast. Everyone, you know, has so much, so many questions and and so many things around that. But matchmaking itself is actually not something that too many people have experiences with, I think, you know, directly. And so some of the questions that I got from my community are, you know, wondering what is usually the rate of success with matchmaking? Oh, um, pretty high, actually. I mean, I would say that 99% of people don't need matchmakers, right? But the ones who need matchmakers definitely need them. I'd say my success rate is pretty high, probably about 80%, 82% depends, you know, Wow. but it also, it's also self-selected though too, right? I don't take on mm. clients that I don't think I can help, right? And, and, and just yeah. because they have to believe in me that I'm going to find them someone really special, right? And they have to sometimes trust me because sometimes their blockers might be blocked, right? Or they might be like, oh, I don't, you know. Or I don't want to do a concurrent date. I don't want to do this. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want, right? I, it's not going to work. Mm. So if I feel that I can help them and make a difference, then yeah, then then the success rate is quite good. My biggest failure rate is in older couples who end up going back to their original spouses, which I don't view as a failure. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Interesting. Yeah, who knew? And And maybe <laughs> do you feel like they went back perhaps it's a little bit of still the work that they did with you or perhaps what they learned about themselves or about, you know, other other partners out there along the way. I think it's a combination, right? Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes there's anger. And again, you think about the whole resentment and it festers and right. And then then they do hurtful things to each other mm-hmm. and then they flail out. I'm going to go, you're going to go. And then they go do other things and then realize, well, wait a minute, it wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Can you share a little bit more about who your clientele usually is? Like who is someone that would, and you mentioned like 99% of people don't really use matchmakers, but who are the people that that come to you? So they're usually people who want to meet people a little bit faster, right? Who don't necessarily mm-hmm. have time for the apps or they, you know, they're ready. You know, you know if they're ready and, and committed to finding someone, that is usually mm-hmm. when a matchmaker can really make a big difference, but they have to be ready. And ready comes in many ways. It's not just saying you're ready. It's actually like, you know, know, they kind of done some own work in terms of their own self-evaluation of their parents' relationship, what they like, what they didn't like, and they're ready to to find someone kind of special. If they're looking to find, let's just say, like a playboy or this or that, then honestly, I'm not the the matchmaker for them. Mm. So if you are ready and you're on a a more, not sped up timeline, but I guess, yeah, it's just about if you are looking 
and you're looking for maybe a more efficient way than the apps, the dating apps, then matchmaking is, or that's a time when matchmaking would make sense. Oh, by far. Matchmaking makes such a difference. If I were divorced, yeah. I would go get, I would hire some matchmakers right away just because yeah. it's effectively like getting all the first dates done, right? And it's mm. screened. And also it's third party because again, I feel like we all have our own blind spots. Yeah. And so if someone can kind of help get us past that, then that's so much better. You know, that's so much ultimately more successful. Because I I love marriages. I love great relationships. To me, it's something that I just find really fun to watch because that's how people build lives together, right? Yeah. That's important. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Cassindi. <laughs> if our listeners want to learn more about you and, and the work that you do, where can they find you? Ah, so my website is www.a wmlove.com, which stands for Ancient Wisdom, Modern Love. I also have a book. So it's under Cassindi's uh, book. And it talks about um, about advice that I give to people for, for dating well. Wonderful. And before we end today's episode, is there any last parting like words of advice that you'd like to offer for anyone out there? Um, don't overthink it. Go bold or go home. Meaning that it's better to live a life that you've dated versus just staying at home. It's they're not mm. going to find you at home. Go out. Yes. Go bold or go home. Exactly. I tell that to my own kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Cassindi. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a Cupid emoji or the one with the heart and the arrow through it in the comments. And if there are any topics you want to hear me cover, please either leave a comment on this episode on Spotify, because now you can do that, or on the post on Instagram, or you can just DM me on Instagram. Once again, this is your host, Janet. I can also be found on Asian Boss Girl, the podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman with my good friends, Helen and Mel, who are also hosting their own shows, which you can catch on the same feed, new episodes every Tuesday. You can follow ABG on Instagram at Asian Boss Girl and me, Janet, at Janet W. That's Janet, the word double, and the letter U. Catch you on the next episode. Bye.